Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody and then be seated tonight. Amen. All right, so you've got your handout. If you don't have a handout, uh, we've got an extra one or two down here that can be retrieved later on. There we go. All right, now you're going to be watching that as it sits on the edge, right, to see if it's going to fall off. And somebody who's extremely OC is going to come creeping up under the, the view of the camera and is going to push that paper right back to the edge because they can't stand to sit here without it. How many folks have we got tonight that are OC? Raise your hands. I hope you're OC about the right thing. How many of you folks are the opposite? Raise your hands. How many of you live with somebody that's OC? Raise your hands. All right. Okay. Now we kind of get to the crux of the matter. Isn't it wonderful how God puts opposites together? Come on. I need an amen on that. Man, that was a deadly silence right there. Isn't it great how he puts opposites together? Amen. And I could hear it online as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit is doing some wonderful things through the Word of God here in our ministries. And as we broadcast out and as they go to the four corners of the world, it's just amazing. Today, I got the messages from several countries and, and we're really excited about the possibilities. Now, we got to check it all out, make sure that it's legitimate, make sure that it's right, because we don't want to be taken in or fooled. But uh, I believe that in the very near future, we're going to be preaching to the ends of the earth. And praise God for that opportunity to get the Word of God out to people. And someday in heaven, someone will come up and they say, I was, I was out in the jungle and I had a little transmitter and I, or a little this, that, or I had my, had my smartphone out there in the jungle or whatever. And uh, they, got the, they got the truth somehow. Somebody spoke to somebody that spoke to somebody and praise the Lord. I did mention uh, in a passing that uh, our folks, the Candy family and extended family, are out there in California for the service tomorrow. Now, I sent, I sent as many people as I could a link. And if you need a, a link, tomorrow at, um, uh, at 10.30 their time, be 1.30 our time, they're going to start streaming from the, uh, from the funeral home. Uh, it'll be a slideshow, I think, uh, be looped, I'm not sure. But then... At 11 o'clock their time, which would be 2 o'clock our time, the service is going to begin. There will be uh, some of the usual things that you have in a memorial service. There will be some people uh, giving their tributes. But then Brother Tyler, praise God, our own Tyler, is going to be preaching the gospel and drawing the net. Are you glad for that? Amen. So I can't be there, but praise the Lord, he's there. And uh, we're thanking God for that. If you didn't get your link... I will give you your link. It should come up. It should say James Michael Henry Service, and that's held tomorrow the 19th. Also, we want to be in prayer for Vafumba. Uh, his brother's funeral is tomorrow as well, I think in North Carolina, and um, I'm not sure the time. Okay, the following week. Okay, but we're going to keep them in prayer just the same. Amen. So uh, there are folks who have passed on, people that are sick. We've been praying for them. Uh, don't forget your Give the Gift of God's Word special giving envelopes. They're right in front of you. They're extending up. If they're not there, right over just a little ways, or you can get one. We've sent some out, and we're getting them back in. We have now passed 6000 and some dollars being given. We're at 700 and some Bibles. Praise God. We're going for 1000 like to blast right through that and uh, get those. All around the world, $8 a Bible. Don't forget to take care of that. I know that you will, and praise God.
for each of you who have given. We're going to be uh, having this Saturday cleaning. And then at 10 o'clock, it's our big weekend. Uh, each, each, uh, each weekend's a big weekend. But we have a bigger weekend. Uh, usually the third Saturday is a big push. And so we're going to be pushing uh, whatever this Saturday is that's coming up. We're pushing. And uh, it's the 21st. Is that right? Okay. So 10 o'clock, right? Yeah, that's right. We're just getting it straight. Okay. All right. Everybody, everybody agree? We're going to vote on that. All in favor, say aye. All right. That's the date. And it's going to be 10 o'clock right here. And we're going to have door hangers. All right. And uh, what does the weather show? What are the prognosticators saying? So far, looking good. Glory to God. We're going to pray to that end. Come help us. And fellowship as you go. Uh, it'll be a wonderful, wonderful time serving the Lord out there. Uh, I'm glad that we do have this ministry. Sunday be out. Uh, to some folks who are going to be coming back and test driving the church again this Sunday. Folks that are looking at, at for where God would have them to be and to serve. And uh, what these folks said was, you know, Maybe those pe people would be, a, that would be a good place and a good group of people with whom to join up and serve together. So I like that. I like it when folks uh, aren't look, looking to be served, but are looking to be a servant and serve, uh, serve the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. The Holy Spirit is working. Thank you so much for your prayers. And we need, as uh, somebody said in a recent publication that I just received, if Holy Spirit... Filled churches are to be seen again. There must be Holy Spirit-filled preaching in the pulpits. We have a tremendous example in this clear message by Peter. Oh, that men of God would spend time in prayer and in the words so that their preaching would be blessed by God. We cannot live carnally if we want to live courageously. Mark that down. We cannot live carnally if we want to live courageously. And uh, there's a message from Peter uh, from which that was taken in a recent publication that came our way. We have some great flyers. Every flyer that we give out on visitation, this one's familiar, isn't it? You see this on the outside? It's folded over and inside the packet along with John and Romans and other literature. But notice, not only does it promote the church, but on the back, what's there? Plan of salvation. All right, then inside we have We Love Children at Central Baptist Church. And it's got colorful picture, graphics, information about reaching out to the kids, kids' ministry, what's on the back. Look, plan of salvation. All right, why do we do that? Because we don't want to ever waste a piece of paper. We want it to be the means of somebody coming to Jesus. And uh, praise the Lord for that. I pointed out you can sin against the Holy Spirit by quenching the Spirit, grieving the Spirit, lying to the Spirit, vexing the Spirit, resisting the Spirit, some folks even blaspheme the Spirit. Now, we believe that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God, and uh, He manifests, as the Scripture says, in the convicting of hearts. And we talked about convictions on Sunday. And the business of the Holy Spirit is to get down inside and bother us about things that we need to be bothered about. So we'll start living right and doing right as we are supposed to. In the song that we sang tonight as an opener, it says, Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul, each thought and each motive beneath his control. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? 
filled with the Spirit. That's Ephesians 5.18. Thus led by His Spirit, the song says, to fountains of love, thou soon shalt be fitted for service above. Uh, somebody I was talking to this week liked what I said. Sometimes they do. And they liked what I said uh, when I said, you know, you come to our church, you don't have to agree with everything I believe or say. You can come to our church and get fed. And they liked that because so many people are locked into a, a small C cultic kind of a, of a, a pressure cooker uh, relationship so that they feel uh, out of place or they feel uh, pressured if, uh, in fact, they have not come to that, what did I talk about Sunday? Conviction. And we want you to base everything that you believe and practice on the Word of God. And we're not going to browbeat or give you a difficult time, but we're going to pray that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and led of the Spirit to have those Bible-based convictions. When you and I are endued with the power, E-N-D-U-E-D, -E when we're endued with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to please the Lord better because we'll be more effective. That's it. We'll be better at whatever it is that we're doing or whoever we are. The gifts that have been imparted to us will be developed more effectively. Our calling becomes more effectual. We get to actually practice, live out our calling. I'm not going to spin my wheels any length of time. If God can help me to get make progress, I'm going to do that. Our soul winning becomes more effective. And God helps us to become greater fruit-bearing believers. Amen. And our preaching and our singing and our serving all become more effective. The gifts of God that have been given to us, imparted by the Holy Spirit, are not for entertainment purposes. Can I get an amen on that? The problem they had in the church at Corinth where some folks thought that it was the uh, evening or the morning matinee. And uh, they thought it was their turn to kind of entertain everybody, make everybody, you know, say, oh, look at them. Oh, look at their gifts. Oh, and so they were going on and on like this. And consequently, uh, we, have, we have some that's genuine, that's misapplied. But then also, we have some imitation that has no place in the local church. When I say praise the Lord, it's because I can't keep it in. i got to let it out. When I say amen, all right, it's not to get somebody's attention. When I put that hand up there, it's not because I, I want everybody to say, hey, look at me, look at me. It's because I can't help myself but get excited. Now, that in and of itself doesn't necessarily accomplish any work for God. It just kind of clues people in that, hey, something's going on with the preacher. And that's all right. That's okay. If you are led of the Spirit, say amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, whatever, go ahead and do it. Have at it. That's all right. We're not going to stop you because the moving of the Holy Spirit is so genuine. It is so real. Uh, we believe when we're endued with the power of the Holy Spirit and we're growing in grace, we're serving the Lord, we get excited about the things of God. Now, I don't want to... I don't want to give you the impression that the Christian life is like a roller coaster. It's only like a roller coaster for those that are immature and that are looking just for the feelings that may be the result of God doing something, maybe in the past, but when they are not currently experiencing that, they kind of go zoom, 
down at the bottom of the roller coaster. We don't want to be yo-yo Christians up and down. We don't want to be uh, you know, light switch Christians on and off, faucet Christians on and off. We want to be consistent for the Lord. Amen? Amen. So this is important when we understand the work of the Holy Spirit. Right down here, if I could get these passed out again, some of you still have your notes from last week or previous week, which uh, uh, state that tongues as a divine gift, which is speaking in a language that you never learned. You never learned it at home. You didn't learn it in school. You didn't learn it, you know, from uh, some language course. But you're speaking that language to share the gospel that's divinely imparted. The, the gift of tongues is among that one designation that we talked about. And it says very clearly that those sign gifts were temporary. They were going to pass away. That makes us, as Bible believers, as fundamentalists, we are not continuists. We are cessationists when it comes to the sign gifts, the apostolic gifts. Upon the completion of of the Word of God, that which is perfect, then that which is in part is done away. And I want to summarize this again. I want you to take it with you. Don't go starting fights with uh, people who may be Pentecostal or may be uh, 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 charismatic, you know, and they say, oh, you just got to get this feeling. You just got to get this, this thing. And they, they talk in a stream of syllables, which is gibberish, but it doesn't have form or syntax, or order, uh, doesn't have grammar. Uh, so there you go, 1 Corinthians 13.10. But when that which is perfect is come. Now, that is, as you can see, in number three under there, it's neuter gender, actually means that which is complete. It's not a reference to Christ, because that would be masculine gender. All right, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The word perfect in its context is not a reference to Christ for these four reasons. Context, comparing love to other spiritual gifts. We know that. All right, agape love. Christ is not the subject of any verse of this chapter. Prophecy, knowledge, and tongues were examples of partial ways of receiving revelation from God. They were sign gifts, apostolic. Just like the interpretation of the sign gift. Uh, just like the special knowledge, like being able, being able to read somebody's mind. Now look at me. You do not, under normal circumstances, have the ability to read somebody's mind just because you just know what they're thinking. No. But in apostolic times, those that had that apostolic gift, the gift of knowledge, could read the thoughts of people. The apostle Paul, like Jesus, could read the thoughts of the Pharisees. But we don't have that. That's not operative today. It's not necessary. It was temporary. All right? So the word perfect is in the neuter gender. Number four, the example of a child growing into a man. Child is a reference to the incomplete gifts of prophecy, knowledge, and tongues in comparison to the completed revelation of Scripture represented by the maturity of the man. There you have it. In approximately 96 A.D., John completed the revelation of Scripture with the book of Revelation. From that time on, partial revelations that came previously by prophecies, knowledge, and tongues ceased as stated in 1 Corinthians 13.8, when that which is perfect is come. All right, it says here, charity... Never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. I want to caution you. Don't run right out and find a charismatic and stick that under their nose because you might get uh, some uh, 
some ruffled feathers being expressed in a violent way. So we don't want that to happen. But we do want you to know that there are speaking gifts and serving gifts that are still operative. And these among the total 19 are, are, are there for the Holy Spirit to impart to you, you to discover and to develop and to use in and through the local church to serve the Lord. All right? So we need to have a submissive spirit and uh, follow that uh, which the Lord guides us and directs us into. Last week, we started in chapter 14, and I want us to turn there, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. And I'm there. Okay. And uh, we got down through, oh, verse 23, 24, 25, 26, and uh, what we discovered was this that uh, the best gifts are not necessarily the most glamorous, the flashy. And we're not to ever, ever uh, employ these gifts that God imparts to us by the Holy Spirit for any self-aggrandizement. We are to always have the servant's heart and be submissive. And never forget this that what's more important than the gift, don't elevate the gift and put it up on a pedestal. It's the gift giver who's within. The gift giver is within. And the Lord is there to enable us. And if we are the Lord's representative, He's going to enable you to fill whatever slot of service that He assigns, and He'll give you whatever gift or gifts or combination of gifts that are necessary to get the job done for His glory. So let's not worry about it. Don't spend a lot of time agonizing over this. But uh, what we did see, and we need to be very careful about this because there are some folks today that have the wrong idea. They think that the gift of tongues uh, was given so that, uh, that uh, you could excel at that. That would be the, you know, the pinnacle. And uh, that's why they're saying everybody needs to have uh, that gift right now. But the Apostle Paul states in verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 14, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that uh, will they not hear me, saith the Lord. That's a quotation from Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. And notice these tongues are languages. They're spoken by, by men. And they're not spoken for the, for the benefit of believers, but for unbelievers. And yet, uh, they are assigned to unbelievers to authenticate the reality, the veracity, the authority of the apostles' message. That's it. Uh, but if everybody at once is going jibber-jabber in the church and singing a song, they got a tune or whatever, and doing it all at once, then the preacher can't preach the word and people are going to be confused. And if somebody comes from outside, please notice verse 22, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, but prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad, that you're nuts? That word mad is interesting because it would be 
uh, very close today to the word lunatic. They think you've got a church full of lunatics. Look at that. They're all just going jibber-jabber and making a, a sound, and nobody can understand anybody else. Well, the truth is, Paul is going to lay out the rules. And if anybody can read the rules for themselves, then they will want to let all things be done decently and in order, as it says in verse number 40. They will want to do it that way. If we're going to take time to be holy, we need to be willing to let God guide us and direct us through this so that people will not be confused. It says very, very clearly here in verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Those are saved ones. So there it is. There it is. Now, I realize why this is that way, why there are charismatic and Pentecostal churches. I understand why people are attracted to this, because we are living in an age of extremes. And in most churches, which especially those that are name-brand liturgical churches, it's deader than 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, you would have to put your ice skates on to get down the aisle in most of those places. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. It's just frozen, it's cold, and Paul addresses this in the last day's passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So we understand there's plenty of dead places. You know, a lot of times, uh, like the man said, you know, our preacher, uh, he got his education in cemetery, meant seminary, but uh, a lot of times it's like a cemetery, uh, isn't it? Because they come out and it has been shown progressively. E.J. Daniels, who was probably one of the last great voices to warn the Southern Baptists, those that were, that were on fire and warm for Jesus. Uh, E.J. Daniels went home to be with Jesus in the late 20th century, but in his paper, he talked about it, and he said, uh, we've taken a poll, and nearly 100% of all of our young people who go into their freshman year of their undergraduate studies in our Southern Baptist Church-supported colleges, they all believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth, the blood atonement, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, miracles Old and New Testament, and on and on, second coming of Jesus Christ. Nearly 100% of those young people who left good, hot, preaching churches went to Bible college, and as freshmen, entering as freshmen, they believed those things. By the time those same people got out of six or seven or eight years of education in the Southern Baptist institutions, not just Southern Baptist, but I'm saying E.J. Daniels took this poll. He found that approximately 20 to 25% believed those things by the time they graduated with graduate degrees from seminaries uh, that were sponsored by Southern Baptist Convention. What I'm saying is that was the case in the late 20th century. I hope it's improved, but I can't guarantee you that it has. And that's across the board. That's in a lot of denominations as well. That the, the more questioning there is of what is the Bible, what is Scripture, what did Jesus really say? We're going to narrow it down until they get to the point where they say, well, he only actually said, we only prove he said about 18% of what the Bible says he said. No, 
He said 100% of what the Bible says he said. And furthermore, as John wrote, if everything he ever did or said was written down, all the books in the world couldn't contain the record of it. So I, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe it's absolutely true. Vance Havner, himself a Southern Baptist, went to heaven back in, the I think, the 1980s. Vance Havner said, too many church members are starched and ironed, but not washed. And I like that. Starched and ironed, but not washed. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Uh, one other preacher said this, the problem is not that the churches are filled with empty pews, but the pews are filled with empty people. So what we need to do is uh, take care of our own business spiritually, make sure we're saved, right with God, filled with the Spirit, believing the Word, all right? Let's do all things decently in order. Let's do it God's way. As we approach this scripture tonight, I want you to raise your right hand, put your hand on the Bible, say, I promise, I promise to do what the Bible says, to do what the Bible says, and to do it the way the Bible says to do it, and to do it the way the Bible says to do it. All right, amen. This is important. Paul is going to give us some rules about this. He's going to give us some rules, and we're going to see that tonight. Beginning with verse 26, here it is. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. The word edify is like the word edifice. An edifice is a noun. It means a building. To edify is a verb. That means to build up. So whatever we experience ought to be designed to build up. The Apostle Paul, speaking by, by inspiration, is saying, all right, here's, here's what it is. You might be all excited. You may feel like God's given you something. You've got this insight. You've got this light. You've got this. But don't all talk at once. Don't all confuse. Don't all create a cacophony of noise. So you've got the extremes. You've got, you've got, uh, you've got uh, frigid formalism. I mean, so cold, you can't stand it in there. And then you've got foolish fanaticism. Now, Brothers and sisters in Christ, all of you viewing out there, I want you to know where Central Baptist Church and this preacher and our people stand. We are not in favor of frigid formalism. Amen? We are not in favor of foolish fanaticism. Amen? What do we want? We want the revealed truth of God. We want to do what God says, and we want to do it God's way. Now, some people, the way they're wired, you, you say the word rule, they hate you. <laughs> they can't wait to get it. You can't, you, you can't tell me what to do. I am autonomous. I am, I am my own person. In fact, that's, that's another reason why some people are attracted to Pentecostal and charismatic fellowships. Because they've noticed a lot of people's personalities in those places are just kind of kind of loose, laid back, you know, kind of a free spirit, you know. I'm just a Free spirit. You can't tell me what to do. Well, there's a lot of Baptists who are free spirits. But I tell you what, if anybody can tell us what to do and how to do it, it's the Lord. Amen. We are Bible believers first and foremost. So everything else that we experience and feel and think, any way we want to be creative, it's got to fit the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit. We're filled with, directed by the Holy Spirit, but we don't just cut loose and let it happen. We follow the rules. So 
Here we are. Let's, let's read on through. If any man speak in an unknown tongue. Now that unknown tongue is one that uh, is not a language they grew up with. All right. Let it be by two or at the most three and that by course and let one interpret. I'm going to give you the rule here in a second. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep what? Silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, it doesn't specify whether it's genuine or not. We know that there are genuine expressions then and now. We know that there are real people and phonies then and now. I understand that. It doesn't matter at this point because there are some rules being laid down and we know that we no longer have to have operative to authenticate this ministry, the sign gifts of the apostles, but rather we have the Word of God that's completed. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. So preacher's going to get up and speak, give a message. And uh, if you've ever been in some really on-fire churches, some of them are not satisfied just to have one little, you know, 15-minute message or 20-minute message. Absolutely not. I remember a time in our previous ministry. I would preach, and the end of the hour of the service would come to an end, and, um, and we'd start to get through, and somebody over here would say, done already? Oh, not yet. They wanted us to go on and preach on. I remember preaching at a um, uh, storefront church down in L.A. Uh, years ago, and I was asked to preach there. And I preached, I preached 35, 40, 45 minutes, whatever it was. And, and I came to the end and I was about to draw the net. And the preacher sitting back here, uh, the home church preacher said, Preach on, brother, preach on. So I said, hey, Amen. I pulled out another outline and started in on that fresh, man. We preached two messages that night. People in places like that, um, when I preached in the Philippines, first time. The Filipino preachers took me aside and they said, now, it's not like it is in the United States here. I said, how's that? He says, in the United States, you get done in under an hour. Uh-huh. He said, we don't. I said, okay, so how long do you preach? He says, as long as we want to. Nobody dares gets up and leaves. I said, you're kidding me. He says, no, no. I said, well, give me a typical length. He get, and I was astounded. My mouth dropped down. They had to, you know, lift it up so the flies wouldn't go in there. I couldn't believe it. But different places, people preach longer. And in the New Testament, we have prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy or preach one by one that all may learn and that all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Now there's the answer for every charismatic Pentecostal and uh, I would say long-winded Baptist, all right? Because the spirit, that's your spirit, that is going to motivate and keep you going, so you're not just a, you know, a robot, but you're actually a spiritual person, that spirit is under the control of your spirit. So you can shut it down. And there have been times when emergency arose, when there was some need to do whatever, take care of some... Some business, and so we cut it off, cut it short. I've listened to some of my mentors as I was uh, coming up through the, the years of training, and I listened to them preach, and uh, my lips are moving because they were preaching the same message I'd read and heard uh, a number of times. 
I heard Dr. Wally Beebe give his famous two- and three-hour bus lecture so many times that when we were in the Philippines and he got sick, he had dysentery, he got sick, and I got over mine quicker than he got over his, and he was scheduled to go out and give his famous bus lecture out in the provinces. I went in his place, and to this day, they still think I'm Wally Beebe. I knew every... I knew where to pause. I knew every joke. I knew every illustration, every point, and I gave it to them. And you know what? All over the Philippines now, they have jeepney ministries. Before that, they didn't have so many. Uh, there, were, there were none on the, on the main, uh, uh, main island there, but uh, it, was, it was an opportunity for me just to, you know, how much do I know? How much have I learned? And, and this, is what I, this is what I know. I've listened to preachers preach familiar messages that I've heard many times, and the Spirit of God told them, cut it off. And with their spirit, they had control. They didn't just keep going. It was their message that they'd preached maybe hundreds of times, and they got to a certain point. I've, I've heard some of those preachers on the Sword of the Lord circuit preach uh, many times the same message, and I would hear them come to point two, and the Spirit of God told them to close it down, and they would somehow close it down and draw the net right there. You know, my lips are still moving because he didn't get to point three. But you see, the, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Nobody has the right to say, I just couldn't help myself. I just driven it. You can shut it down. My Bible says so. That's it. If we were to take all the verses of the Bible and categorize them under the doctrine of man, this would be, you know, anthropology. This would be part of it. You know, and it would be pneumatology, too, about the spirit, but it has to do with how we're put together, how, how this whole thing works, all right? So there it is. When people say, I just couldn't stop. I just had to stand up and talk and jibber-jabber in your church. No, 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 no. When you stand up and say, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. You sit down. Be quiet. I'm preaching now. And I say it nicely, and I've handled it nicely in the past. And I will continue to handle it nicely. All right, so there it is. Spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as, as in all churches of the saints. Now here it is. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. You say, I don't like that. It's not up for a vote. It's what the Bible says. That's it. No, no women preachers. No women evangelists, no women exhorters, nobody's speaking out, all right? And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And this is what was happening in that situation. There were some former priestesses from the oracles up the mountain, the mysteries of Sibel, the mysteries of Mithras, and and they would frequently, under the influence of hallucinogens, like that. And the high priest would say to the person who had paid money to find out if they should go to war or if they should, you know, conquer a country, try to conquer a country or whatever, if they should try it by land or by sea. And, and they had this little scam going on where the high priest would say, oh, what she's saying is, and it would sound uh, out of this world. And people would believe that. I don't know how many people lost battles or lost their shirt financially over something like that. But some of these high priestesses of those mystery religions got saved. 
And they came in there, those same ones that by their appearance, we have, uh, we have the scripture speaking about how a woman's supposed to groom herself and how she's supposed to look because they, they were groomed in such a way as to identify them as a high priestess of this pagan religion. And so they come into the church and they hear the, either the actual ministry of tongues or the imitation by those that are trying to be puffed up and, and uh, don't have the evidences of, of agape love, as it says in chapter 13. And what did they do? They said, hey, they're doing jibber-jabber. I can do jibber-jabber too. So pretty soon they're jumping in, everybody's jibber-jabbering, and there's all this noise and this cacophony. And guess what? This preacher's saying, I'm trying to talk to you about Jesus. I'm trying to talk to you about Christian living. I'm trying, and it can't be heard. So Paul says, here are the rules. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that are right unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So here's the test question. Did what Paul write in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, they didn't have chapter divisions, but what Paul wrote there about how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, was that from God or not? And they had to, they had to decide, hmm, Looks like, looks like they're going to take my toys away from me. Looks like they're going to take the ball away from me. I can't play the game anymore. I can't show off anymore. I can't do that stuff anymore. I can't go jibber-jabber anymore without these rules being followed. So that's the key. And I want to ask you about anything else. What is the key? Did God write this Bible? Did He preserve it? Is God capable of keeping His Word? Amen. Should we follow it? Amen. Amen. We're not going to add to it. We're not going to add a third book or a fourth book or a fifth book or whatever. We're not going to do that. Nope. Not at all. All right. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. In other words, if he, if he isn't trained, if he isn't trained, if he doesn't have education, wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, to preach, to foretell. And forbid not to speak with tongues or languages. In other words, that wasn't going to be stopped during the apostolic age. It is stopped now according to chapter 13. Why? Because that which is perfect has come. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? So there it is. All right. Let me put down the rules. Put it down. Number one is found there at the beginning, verse number 26. The number one guiding principle, rule number one, gifts are to be used in the church to build up, to edify people. Rule number two, verses 27, 28. The gift of tongues in that time was to be limited and interpreted. Prophecy, number three, prophecy is to be limited and discerned. Verses 29 through 33. Rule number four, women are to keep silent in the church, not to exercise the gift of languages in the church. Verses 34 to 35. Rule number five, guard against the potential abuse of the gifts. Verses 36, 37, 38. Here it is. Here's the final charge. Let all things be done decently and in order. Doesn't get any clearer than that. No languages in that day, gift of languages, people speaking out, unless there's interpretation. And only three speakers... They put the limit on it because they realized they were there in church for a reason. 
And they were to, they were speaking in order, not at once. And there had to be interpretation. Uh, prophecy, preaching, foretelling, whatever. Two or three, and the others are to test their messages. How? According to the Word of God. We're, we're, to, we're, to, we're to test everything by the Word of God. That's it. All right, so... We need to examine what's being said, test it according to the Word of God. There it is. All right, to see if it came from God or if it came from Satan. The discerning of the spirits that we read about back in chapter 12 in the list of the gifts has to do with this. Speakers are to build up the church, maintain proper order, and if they get carried away and they don't have control over it, that is proof that the Spirit is not speaking because when the Spirit is at work, look at me. There is spirit control. There is self-control. There is the, limit, the limitation being observed and met. Now, people don't like this business about women not speaking in the church, but that's it. We believe that there is a definite ministry for women. They can minister to other women. They can minister to children. Uh, we believe that uh, uh, they can have many, many, many gifts of, of service that they can exercise and, and do, the uh, strongest, greatest thing is be a support to their family, to their husband or to their father or to uh, their children or their family members. This is important. We understand our proper role. And when people, you get somebody like, we've seen them. We've seen them in the past and, uh, and I'm not addicted to it. But you get a, a woman speaker, a woman preacher that speaks to mixed audiences and they're many times... They are better speakers than men. And many times they know a lot of Scripture and they say it in a, in a, a believable way and, and people assimilate it and they say, man, I got something out of what she had to say and get a thing out of what he had to say. That doesn't make it right. The vessel, the channel, according to the rules. We need to be obedient to the Word of God. The plain teaching and preaching of the Word of God takes precedence over everything else. Our church and every other church that is a church of Jesus Christ needs to be constantly built up. People need to mature. They need to take it and go with it and serve and touch the lives of others. And I want to do that. I don't want to waste one second of the time that God has given me. But in reality... I want to be filled with the Spirit and use what God has given me so that I might in turn be a blessing to others. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart tonight. Slip your hand up. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. If you learned something, let's use it, shall we? Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And would you be willing tonight to call upon the name of the Lord? Would you pray right now and say something like this from your heart to God? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come and tell us tonight. If you want to come and pray, I'm going to ask the Lord to help you 
uh, to be a better witness, to serve the Lord, and to do so consistently, and not to quit, not to give up, not to turn aside. And I want you to come and have a word of prayer and go back to your seat. We're going to take our hymnals tonight. I don't regret a mile, and it's not on our schedule, but you know what? I believe we're being led to sing that song, because that's just a great song of, uh, of commitment, not turning back and continuing on. What number is that, Silver Book? 